Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm your host, Matt Perkins, joined, as always, by Badger legend, Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Bernie, how are we doing today? Oh, we're good. We are good. As always, we're always good, Matty G. We got a great guest on, Scott Starks, one of the best, probably one of, if not the best, cornerbacks to play at Wisconsin. One of my favorite plays of all time. I know, Sparky, you probably get this every day, but that Kyle Orton fumble pickup for the touchdown to beat Purdue at Purdue in 04, I think about it probably like once a week. Like, what a cool – I don't. I guess we'll just jump in. Like, dude, how cool was that play? You know, in, in the moment, it just seemed like a normal play. And plus, I thought it was going to get called back. Um, but that was an awesome moment for sure. And, and you said you think about it every – Every week, imagine I probably think about it every day. It would seem like it's the only play I've ever made in my life because I, I work with a few individuals that you know went to Purdue or they may they may look me up, and that's the only play they ever see. And so it, it seems like I had one play in college, and that was it. But uh, definitely was an awesome moment, awesome moment amongst some awesome, awesome good good friends as well. So yeah, great play. I do, I mean we'll we'll go into it, but I do remember that because Rob Brooks cut his legs out. He fumbled. He, if he just fell down, the game was over. He did. And, yeah. He got, Rob he got just cut him out. Mm-hmm. You picked that ball up. Yeah. Tell it from your angle. Yeah. So he, he hit the corner. It's like a third one play and he obviously had it. So I feel bad saying this. My, my, my mindset is I just want to, I just want to hit him as hard as I can in his leg, just to put a little bit of pain in him. And so when I did it, he, kind of like spent around and Rob kind of hit him up top and like Rob's leg or something, maybe hit the ball. And then I look up and I see the ball. I'm like, ball. And so I scoop it and I'm running as fast as I can. Actually a guy I ended up playing with in Jacksonville is actually chased me on that. We played tight end for them. And I get into the end zone. It's kind of like quiet. And you see, I'm kind of like looking around like, okay, they didn't stop me. And then everybody jumped on top of me. I get to the sidelines like, okay, let's just be calm. Cause they're probably going to call this one back. And then we look at the replay. It's like, oh, this is without a doubt. We got this thing. But great, great play. I wish we could have went on a, um, to do bigger and better things that year. We had to win on a, a nasty little losing streak at the end. But uh, that was a great, great season. It was a great season with the, the worst two losses I think I've ever been a part of. Yes. Uh, oh, sad. Oh, let's not go there. <laughs> It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. And if you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's go back to, if we can, first off, Sparky, I got to ask you, dude. It says online that you're 178 pounds when you were playing. Is that true? So it's, it's not, and it is <laughs> at the same time. So if, if you're looking at from when I was in college, you know, we had ruds, right? And we call them ruds, tights, whatever they call them Spandex. now. Spandex, yeah. Spandex, to keep it all tight, you know. I would always put weights in my ruds, always, uh, from day one. Once I once I realized some of the older guys were doing it, I mean, I perfected it. Like, uh, I would tape them around my ruds. I would put up some in the front, some in the back. Whatever I had to do to appear that I was heavier, because I played some games in my freshman year at 149. Um, I, I was, a, I was a slim guy, you know, coming out of camp. I think when I originally arrived on campus, I may have been 152 and then 
towards my, you know, when the games began, I had lost a little weight and got down to 149. So it was always hard for me to keep on weight. Then once I got into the league, it was the same thing. They were, they were actually fine me if I was underweight. And so I remember like one of my last times weighing in, I had drank so much water uh, because we had to weigh in that day. It's a final weigh in. I'm walking on the scale. I step on, I barely hit weight. As soon as I stepped out, <laughs> all over the place. So yes, weight was a struggle for me. It was definitely, definitely was a struggle. I, I remember pro day in 04 and I just remember you walking in and I was like, what the hell is this guy doing? And you had like two and a half pounds, the small weights, the fives in where you put the pads and you were like, kind of like going real slow. I was like, this, yeah. this guy has like 10, 12 extra pounds, you know, like, you like 12.5 pounds in your, in your pants. By any means possible. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Cause I, cause you would have to wake up and like chug one of those metric shakes in the yeah. mornings or at night. If I had so many, so many tricks up my sleeve. Um, I remember also we would do the bipod. And so I would get on the scale. You get on the scale before the bipod and you, you normally don't have on anything but ruts. And so I found a way to slip two and a halves in between my thighs uh, and the ruts. And so I would step off and I would kind of like slide them out. And then you get inside the bipod and they were like, we can't get this thing to work. Your body, you don't have any body fat. Well, it really wasn't that. It was the fact I was messing up the scale because I had, I was five pounds more outside the bipod than I was when I got inside the bipod. I was like, I don't know what's going on, man. I'm just like a specimen. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go, let's go back to, to really little Scott Starks then growing up in St. Louis, you went to one of the, I think, I, I think one of the best high schools, was it Hazelwood? Hazelwood East. Hazelwood East for football. Yep. So when do you start playing sports? When do you realize that you're like lightning fast? And when do you put that, combine that with football? Yeah. So my brother, he's actually six years older than me. And uh, I would just go to his games and I was always built a little bit different mentally. So I would actually sit there and watch. And so when it came time for me, we, we couldn't start till we were seven. So I remember I was six getting ready to be seven. That's when you can start. Um, and my parents were like, okay, we're going to go sign you up. I'm like, okay, let's do it. But I'm not going to his team. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, his team sucks. I want to go play with that team over there. I like their uniforms. And they always kick the crap out of my brother's team. I was like, okay. And you know, this was a huge sacrifice for my parents because the, the parks were probably 20 minutes apart, you know? And so they said, okay. And it ended up being the same, uh, organization that actually um, Ezekiel Elliott plays for. Of course, I was long gone by the time he got there. But myself, Brandon Williams also played there and a couple other guys uh, uh, played at this organization as well. And so my first year was a very average year. Um, and I didn't play, really didn't play play until probably the fourth game of the season out of six games. And what happened is the kid got hurt and he's like, who wants to play quarterback now? And I'm like, I'll, I'll play quarterback. <laughs> And so from there, it just really took off the next season. I'm talking about just really turned out. I went to a new coach. That coach became my coach from the time I was eight to the time I was 13. And really just took off as a leader on the field. And, you know, my goal was every time I left the field that somebody was talking about number seven. And so um, I had a great, great coach. Um, he he had some, some ortho, unorthodox methods, um, cussed us out a lot as kids, got called a lot of, uh, bad words, but at the same time, he really loved us and showed us um, some great fundamentals that really carried on for the rest of my career. You and Brandon played in high school together too, right? Yeah, so oddly enough, me and Brandon have gone to every single school I've gone to, Brandon has gone to. We didn't become best, best friends until we got to high school. Um, he had, he had, he, Originally, he went to the same high school that Lawrence Baroni went to. Um, and then I remember him walking up to me after one of my games in high school, he said, Hey, I'm coming to your school next year. And I, I mean, I knew Brandon kind of been crossed and I had, we had just lost. I'm like, okay, whatever. So he actually came and then we just, you know, immediately clicked up and we dominated together on the track and, you know, on football field as well. Man, I cannot imagine a four by one team in high school that had you and be well on it. Like you guys must have absolutely just like beat up on everybody else around you. You know what's crazy is uh, four by one wasn't our wasn't our strong point uh, because I, I was a 200, 400, four by two, four by four guy. I really only ran the hundred like a couple of times, and out of those couple of times, I was able to 
no no boast to myself. I was able to break the record one time. And after that, I, I really wasn't a hundred runner. Um, and neither was B. Will. <laughs> B. Will was a hundred runner. But we both were very solid, the 200 and 400. Um, but I don't know if you all remember uh, Moss. Moss also ran with us. He was he was on our four by two as well. Um, and then Coop, of course, I mean, he ran track. He was more of a um, like a, a shot putter as well. So a lot of guys, they actually end up going to Wisconsin. We actually ran with it as well. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. crazy. <laughs> Two of like the best guys to play at Wisconsin, same high school. But that's yeah. but that was also because they, you know, I feel like they went into the high school for that reason. They had a lot of success there. Yeah. So it's going all the way back to I think the original guy that went to Wisconsin from my high school, he may have been the first, is Terrell Fletcher. Yeah, that's what I thought. Right. So Terrell, I grew up watching Terrell. He played with, with my cousin. And then from there, we had just a host of other guys. My, my brother's best friend went there, Charles Williams, a couple other guys. And then, you know, of course, Jamar. And then, you know, I remember going on to my recruiting visit, and Jamar was my host. And um, I had already, rec- already committed to Northwestern at the time. And Coach Alvey commit- convinced me to come up on a recruiting visit. Recruiting visit was terrible. I mean, it was absolutely horrible. Um, my, my plane was delayed. It was uh, snow everywhere. You know, you walk to the stadium, they show you your jersey. My jersey didn't even pop up. They're like, uh, okay, well, let's just go eat. <laughs> so, and so I'm the only one at this point because everybody else had, was already, you know, moved along further during the trip. And so um, when it came to me linking up with Flesh, she's like, what do you want to do? You want to go somewhere? You want to do this? I was like, I just really want to watch film. That's it. Just give me some one on ones. I'll just sit here. He's like, you sure? And I'm like, yeah. So I sat there and I watched film and just one on ones over and over. He's like, so what you think? I was like, I want to go here. He's like, all right. I was like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving after this year. And you can wear number two. You probably end up starting. And, you know, it's yours. You take the reins and run with it. And I'm like, cool. So I went in, talked to Albie the next day. I'm like, I'm going to be a Badger for sure. He's like, you sure? I'm like, definitely. This is where I need to be. And so went in, came and wore number two and ended up starting my freshman year. Had a had a Had a decent freshman year, but... Um, enough to get me going and, and get started towards a toward a pretty solid career. That's how it's. That's how it came to be. You just sat in the yeah. room watching film with Fletch. That's that's it. And you know we had Mike Eccles was in the other room. <laughs> yep. That's all I wanted to do was just watch one on ones. And then who can I get excited about Wisconsin but from watching Jamar Fletcher? Like he, he's an exciting guy. He's gonna make plays. He's gonna talk stuff. He's got mad swagger, but he's gonna back it up. So um, that that was a you know. That, that was my start to Wisconsin at that point. So wait, hold on. That, and that's how you got number two? Originally, to be honest, I wanted to wear number five um, because I was five in high school. And I knew coming in, Brooks Bolger had number five. So I was talking to Fletch. And I'm like, I don't know what number I want to wear. He's like, come get number two. And I wore number two previously when I was a sophomore in high school because of Charles Woodson. And uh, he's like, come wear number two. You got number two. The spot's yours. is open. You be you and Mike X back there. Go get it. And that's kind of how it started. And then, of course, I, did, I wasn't even starting at first my freshman year because um, I was absolutely horrible at first because uh, I didn't play cornerback. I didn't play cornerback in high school. And I remember, you know, in th- that summer just ripping guys' shirts off and just trying to just do my best out there and be an athlete. But ended up learning the position. And uh, first game was against Virginia. Um, rainy day, rain delay. Ended up getting, like, a couple of plays. And then the next game we played against Oregon. And uh, B.J. Tucker, he's still, he's still my guy, great guy, but he ended up getting a personal foul on the sideline early in the first or second quarter. He really didn't do anything, and he got yelled at, cussed out. Coach said, Scott, get in there. I'm like, okay, right eye, fairy tale. I ended up getting a pick against Joy Harrington. Praise the Lord, he threw it right to me. So I was like, <laughs> okay, bro. And then from there, I just kind of kept the position for that point. We played against David Carr next game. We got a pick against him as well. So. What what was it like? Because our class was a good class. Yep. I mean, you graduated different different times, so it it kind of off off offshoots it. But you know, you came in and not just you, but Jimmy, Brett. You guys all saw a lot of time in the backfield and on the field. Yeah. What's what was that like coming in as as that group and kind of taking over? Yeah. So when I came in, um, I'm trying to think of what the coach was name at that time. Coach I, Brad. I, Bradford, because he recruited Bradford. me. Yeah, Bradford. 
Bradford was a good good guy. He really taught some great fundamentals. And he, when we, I remember sitting down at at seminary, and he's like, um, you know, two of you guys got to play, and it was me, it was Johnny Sylvain, it was Brett Bell, it was um, Jimmy Leonard, and it may have been one other person, but I think we all ended up playing that year except for Jay Seal. Uh, we all it's Rob. Rob Brooks, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, Rob Brooks as well. And all of us end up, you know, making uh, some contribution at some point that year. So um, just seeing the the maturation, especially of Jimmy, when he came in, you knew it was something different about Jimmy. You, you knew it was. He, he wasn't, you know, over the top as far as um, just being like loud and boisterous. But, you know, you knew that he knew his stuff way better than everyone else. He He wasn't he didn't come off as athletic as everybody else. But when he would make plays, you're like, how the heck did he just do that? Or go catch punches, he'll catch it behind his back. Like, this is weird. And then we go do a dunk contest. He wins a dunk contest. Like, maybe this guy is more athletic than what I'm really picturing him to be. And so you just knew it was something different about him. Rob was just a solid, solid football player. And of course, Brett was a very, very solid guy, had all the athletic ability and talent in the world and came in, you know, a highly a highly touted player as well. And then JC, I think, was number 10 coming in, and, and Brett Bell was number two coming in. I wasn't ranked on the cornerback, and I shouldn't have been because I was absolutely horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so we talk with a lot of guys about the seminary, their seminary experience. What was your what was your first seminary experience like, and then how did that sort of change as, as you went on and, and became the guy? Yeah, so, I mean, you, you hear all these myths and stories. You know, you can't go to sleep. They're going to beat you up and you know they're gonna pour water on you nobody has time for that (laughs) you're too you're too too, you're too tired for dumb stuff like yeah you're gonna be steaming hot you're not gonna need a you're not gonna need a blanket or anything you're gonna lay across the bed when you get an opportunity to lay down uh but that that opportunity uh to go to seminary is i think about that often like that's like the brotherhoods that were created in there and the amount of focus uh, that you have on the game and on your guys and, and, and learn at the game of football, you, you can't replicate it. It, it. It's just totally different from any other experience. You know, in, in, in the league, I had opportunities to where we would stay at home and still go to camp. It's just not the same. It's not the same. I, I really, I really appreciated that, that seminary experience. I, I don't think they do it now. And I remember at some point they stopped, but um, that was an awesome experience. I, I really did enjoy it. Is it, is it, is it extremely hard, extremely challenging? Absolutely. But you come out of it a much better player, much better man, because it shows you, you know, when you put the work in the results that you can get. Um, But I I, I would never take those experiences back for anything. You walk out, the field's still wet and your your equipment is still wet from the previous practice. But it's just it's just a great feeling. The smell of it, the, the, the food, it was just awesome. So so Sparky, you graduated the year after. When so that was my senior year, we we moved back to the stadium. So you were at your unpacked apartment because you had no. You're saying you have no time to do anything else. Unpacked apartment, but the bed was open, so you could sleep on it. And we everyone had an air mattress in the locker room. So whenever you had a break, nobody left. Everyone just slept on the floor. Honestly, like I hated the seminary because it was only football all day every day you didn't see anyone else like it was bananas to me like you're on an island but then when we went and did this i thought it i was like man i kind of would rather be at the seminary yeah just with air conditioning in the rooms but besides that (laughs) (laughs) you didn't have time to even go home you know it ended up tearing turned out to be the same exact thing it it basically Uh, did without a bed you yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, do, when you're in the process, of course, it seemed hard and grueling. But when you look back on it, like, man, those were good times. You, you, you remember, like, when we had, I think Rudy came in one time. Another time, we had some actor that came in. It, it was always little things that they threw in to make it uh, exciting and fun. You know, Barry, Barry knew how to keep it light, but he knew how to also, you know, get us to business. Were you, were you there when they brought in the hypnotist? Yeah, I was on stage. That is by far the funniest thing I think I've ever witnessed in my entire life. <laughs> that was like the highlight. That was like the highlight of campus when the hypnotist would come in. I, yeah. They asked, so <laughs> they had everyone up and they go, all right, you guys are in a plane. 
oh my God, it's crashing. And everyone's freaking out up on stage. <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing. My favorite was they had Jerome Pettis and they go, hey, this dude next to you hasn't showered in a week. And Jerome's like, you know, Jerome's face, because he's like, you're like glossed over. He was like, oh man, this guy stinks. And the guy doing the hypnotist is like, why? And he's like, this guy, you need to use antibacterial soap. <laughs> Dude, I, I fell on the floor laughing. I, I was like, this is the funniest thing I've absolutely ever seen. But you're right. They, those stories, they come back as, as you, as you mentioned it. I just remember like, you know, what, what I loved is you got to be part of everyone's experience. So like I was hanging out with Jeff Mack and defensive guys offensive guy, the special teams dude, you watch get in the vans and go to the field. Like they mm-hmm. kind of disappeared. It was just nice to be part of like a group. Cause once you got to campus, everyone kind of went their separate ways and you, you hung out with your friends and the freshmen hung out, but the defense and the offense and mm-hmm. special, the scout team, which you were never a part of, you know, bless your heart for that. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it is, it does say something about like building all those bridges and all those bonds with guys during the year, you might, not hang out with like if I didn't have a lift group with you or we didn't live together, I might never really see you. Yep. As crazy as that might sound. So exactly. the seminary does have that. Yeah. I there never want to go back. To it. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely some positive attributes to it. Um it, it, it just focuses you completely on football and, and focus you completely on the guys that you're around and helping to build that trust and that camaraderie. Uh, like I said, it's nothing that can uh, really replicate um seminary for us in a real 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 world experience now but sparky when you also when you show up what's funny is i showed up with no cell phone because i didn't have one and like a my two duffel bags of clothes because i had nowhere to live except at the seminary and you had these guys who were seniors or 50 or seniors with like tvs video games like 10 fans like they came in and they also stayed in their room by themselves were you with anybody so my freshman year, I think it was me and uh, I think Brett Bell. I'm pretty sure it was Brett my freshman year. Yeah. But to, to your point, I had, I, I mean, every year I took the same thing. I took a fan. I took um, some liquid soap, deodorant, and I took honey buns and Gatorade. <laughs> and I, it, it was that way all throughout, like, from my time in in in, in in uh in, in in Wisconsin all the way through when I would play for Jacksonville. Every single camp I'd take the same thing, which probably led to the end of my career because I ate so many honey buns and had some injuries as a result. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I, I can't really minimize. Plus I'm a homebody. I don't even watch a bunch of TV. So TVs, I didn't need a TV. I just needed a place to lay my head down a pillow. That was it. Yeah. So so your first year you're playing you're obviously having a lot of success. What's it like? What's it like in the DB room with basically five young guys and who, like who else was in there? You had ILO. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, me, you had uh, Eccles. Yeah. Eccles. We got Joey Bose. Yeah. Very solid player. Mike, Mike Broussard. Um, Of course we got, we got Jimmy in there. I'm Chucky sure Cowens. Chucky Cowens is in there, yeah. And so, um, you know, for me, I was always just wide-eyed and just ready to learn. I, I didn't care who it was from. Um, even if they, even if I was, quote-unquote, starting over them, I still wanted to learn, especially from B, – and B.J. was – B.J. Tucker was um, amazing. I ended up coming in. Of course, I ended up taking this spot my freshman year, but B.J. treated me just like a brother my whole freshman year. You know, whatever I needed on and off the field, he was there. Um, Whatever questions I had, he answered them. And then, of course, the next year, he played extremely solid and went on to play for the 49ers as well. So um, it was a good – it was a good – it was a good room, a very good room, a lot of solid, unselfish guys. What's it it like learning from Mike Eccles? I mean, he – to me, he he's like the king of swag. Yeah, so so Mike Mike was just super cool, you know – Mike, it wasn't like the most I really got out of Mike was like, man, what are you doing over there, man? You know, I'm going to take care of this side over here. You got to take care of this side over there. That's really the most. <laughs> that, that, that was the extent of his direction. You take care of your side. I'm going to lock this side out over here. You know, I'm going to lock this side out over here. You just take care of that over there. Give me the best guy. 
Um, but I, I, I really truly grew to, to have a, a, a really solid, you know, good relationship with Mike, you know, because uh, he'd be able to tell me stories, you know, of course, from Fletch, because me and Fletch, we didn't, we didn't cross paths as much. Of course, when he was in high school, I was, you know, younger. And then once he went out to leave, we would call and talk back and forth. But we, we, me and Mike would really shoot some of those stories around. And, you know, it was, I got some pretty amazing, awesome, funny stories as a result as well. But Mike was a good guy. Very good guy. So I know you weren't really running scout team, obviously, but did you ever have to cover, cover Lee in practice? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. What was that like? What was that like? Cause you're probably one of the few guys that could actually keep up with him. You know, it's crazy. I just saw Lee, um, I want to say it was like May of last year. And I took my son to go and work with Brandon white, um, down in Fort Lauderdale Seaver factory receiver factory and then lee was up there at the same time with his his son i'm just like we're both just like this it's crazy we actually got a picture you know me and my son him and his son they were doing one-on-ones and me and him got to talking about doing one-on-ones together and you know that that comp that that duo right there us going against each other made me a lot better and i hope it made him better because i, I played my butt off every time i mean you couldn't like be lax against lee um, it just made me a lot better. Like, as somebody who was just as fast as I am, if not faster, um, stronger, um, just as quick as I am. And he's, he's the body style that I always struggle with, you know, I struggle with or have more difficulty with uh, guys that are not as tall, but are more stockier. They're way harder to cover than the tall, lanky guys. Why is that? Uh, the tall, the tall, lanky guys have to take longer to get out their brakes, and they're usually not as fast. You know, they have the anomalies now, uh, like with Metcalf, which is all everything. But most, for the most part, the taller guys are easier to cover than the shorter, stocky guys who are super quick, like Lee. And then, of course, Lee ran four two four three as well. <laughs> Lee did a lot of things. He was, <laughs> I mean, you you were going up against probably one of the best wide receivers Wisconsin's ever had. Um, what? Oh, now I forgot my question. Oh, what, but so you're saying you're saying that like DC, who is six 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 seven, is easier to defend being five nine than Lee is. Absolutely, and, and it's not. It's not, it's not I'm not to take away from anything that DC could do for me and how I play. That's easier for me because I can jump out the gym. They just throw the ball there. I, I got no problem with them trying to moss me up. It's the guys who can, who are just as quick as me and, and are just as strong as me. Those were the ones that I really had to hone in and bring my A game. The taller guys, they're going to take longer to come out their breaks. I'm not worried about their running past me. If they throw it up, I can jump with them. Dude, that's fascinating stuff, man. That's really interesting. We, yeah. No, we one also of the, came in. Sorry, Matty P. Yeah, I was going to say, it. well, you, you came in as a pretty slender guy. Like you, you were saying before we started recording, like you came in like 152 or so. Mm-hmm. So what is it like getting on the field? as a true freshman at 150 pounds, like, did you have to adjust the way that you played at all? Or, you know, was it just like, okay, like I know my body and I'm going to, you know, I know what I can do. You know, I, I really didn't realize it. it. It didn't, I never went into a game thinking, man, I'm only 152. I got to figure this thing out. It was just like, you you're in it. The lights are on. You got to throw this body around. Um, I, I never really, put a bunch of emphasis on it because it, I, I didn't feel like it held me back. I didn't feel like it limited me. As long as I can take on blocks, as long as I can get guys on the ground, then I felt like I was okay. And to be honest, the only time I really noticed my weight was when I was uh, my first game of my senior year. Uh, I was 182 pounds with, with no weights in my, in my rugs at all. And I, I really worked my butt off to get this weight on played solid that game but i actually felt heavy and so after that i actually had to lose weight i got down to 178 176 because i didn't feel comfortable at that weight i felt big i felt like i was breathing harder i probably put on bad weight is what it what it essentially was and so once i got back down i felt like my same quicker uh more agile self that's the only time i really noticed my weight on the field so, and you also came in we you came in with a bunch of good wide receivers and you, uh, with us, you had J.O., you had D.C., eventually Owen became, O.D. became a, a wide receiver type of guy. What was it like going against the guys that you came came in with? Yeah, so, and, and Don, Dante Sanders was one of them, too, because Dante came as a, a 
pretty hi- highly touted receiver as well. Um, yeah, we actually just had him on last week. So that's my guy. He's a good guy. He's doing some very, very big things now as well. Uh, we, I just texted him a couple of days ago, but um, talk about somebody maturing. Goodness. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I said, we would, our mentality was so different. Like we would be in the, in the dorm room, 11 o'clock at night, we would get to arguing. We would find our way into the stadium to go do one-on-ones. I'm talking about 12 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. And this was like often, like however we could get in there and do one. And I'm like I said, I'm ripping guys' shirts off. Don Tennis would make fun of me. He's like, man, I got to get a new shirt every week because you ripped my shirt off. <laughs> um, but it, it was definitely like some great competition. Uh, DC as well, me learning how to cover larger receivers. That's when I realized that, man, this is a, it's a lot easier than covering these these shorter guys. Um, we had some extremely solid guys that helped me to, to really improve my game very quick. Uh, we had, um, and this guy was older, but uh, Nick, Nick Davis, mm. he was a short, stocky, extremely strong fast. guy. Too. Yeah, fast. He had, he had a lot of, lot of great attributes as well. Um, and he helped me to, to really improve my game as well. You know, Sparky, just for, I guess just for me, like, what's it like playing with those guys? You know, because, I mean, I redshirted, so I didn't get a lot of experience with those senior guys like Herbs, you know, who else? Um, there's a bunch of dudes. Delonte. Yeah. Like Delonte, all these guys. Like, what's it like playing with those? And what was it like playing against like Marcanelli? Like, I, I'm trying to think of who was on that poster. By the way, it probably is the coolest Bryant. poster. Wendell Bryant. Like, what's it like playing with these dudes? I just played special. T- I mean, um, scout team against. It must have yeah. been so special to be a, like a young, like 18, 19 year old kid playing with Wendell Bryant. Like, that's so yeah. cool. You got to remember a lot of these guys played in the Rose Bowl, too. And so the accountability, accountability level was high and they expected a lot. But I, I wasn't there yet. <laughs> I wasn't there. Um, and some of the guys we had on the field, they they weren't quite there yet. So they may have had a, a high expectation of us because of where they had been, but we just weren't there as a as a team yet. And so I almost felt like I let them down sometimes, especially like Michigan State game my, my freshman year. And I remember them really just taking me as like, man, like you got to get better. Like we, we can't have this. Um it, it really taught me like you really have to um, to be accountable to the guys around you. Like you, you can't be selfish. You got to do the extra during the week. You got to do whatever you have to do in order to be prepared to play your best for the guys around you. Be where you're supposed to be. Have your mind where it's supposed to be. Have your eyes where they're supposed to be. Because if I'm doing all that right, I'm going to be accountable to the guys next to me. And uh, like, I mean, that game stands so far on my brain. I, that's why I hate Michigan State to this day. It's because I let my guys down. That's it. I have fans walking behind me. Hey, Fletch called. He said he wants number two back. That was like, that was one of the worst games of my life because I didn't prepare well. I remember Bradford came in. He's like, hey, uh, we got this guy, Herb Haygood, very good receiver. Mike Eccles, you're going to have to match up against him. And they have this other guy. He's number one. Uh, this, uh, I don't know, Charles Rogers guy. You can just cover him, Scott. And I'm like, okay, I got an easy day. No. No, that was not an easy day. That was one of the worst <laughs> days of my life because I went into it with the mindset of I'm better than this guy. I don't have to prepare as hard. He had uh, my ex has the hard job for this game, which is wrong. No matter who you play against, you got to come in ready to go. And after that, after that game, it's like okay, I, I can't do that anymore. I'm letting my guy down. I mean, you did happen to go up against a wide receiver that was we one of the best in the Big Ten. I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, you didn't know that. So is that the game that really sw- flipped the switch and was like, all right, I, I figured out what I got to do. I'm going to go do it, and I'm going to produce at a high level. Yep, yep. And so that really changed my prep- my preparation. Um, like, I, I was all – after that, of course, I was known to be a guy. Like, I would watch – an immense amount of film, especially like going into, you know, my junior, senior year, I would be in there right at the practice. And, you know, I would be in there with the coaches talking like, Hey, should I do this? What should we do? I'm seeing this. And that's just, that, that was the way of me um, kind of uh, masking the fact that I was a smaller guy, because at least I could be in the right place at the right time and, and be able to anticipate more. Cause I was already a safe player. That's why I may have had 20 some breakups where um, you see, Jamar may have had 20 some picks. I'd rather play it safe and knock it down. And he's going to go pick the ball off 
which I didn't feel comfortable doing. Um, but yeah, that's because I was, I was, I was always anticipating what they were going to do, um, which made me a much better player uh, for it a, as a result. Was that what, what like, did you start that in high school like that, like intense amount of preparation for games or what, when, when you were in high school, were you more relying on your outstanding athleticism? Athletic ability uh, in high school, for sure. And then in high school, we had, man, we may have had 10 Division One players on my senior team. Um, so we knew that we was going to go in and bust heads every single game. Um, so I could rely on the guys around me and they could rely on, rely on me as well because we were just better than everyone else. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients support gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. and That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com believe. Athletic Greens. Take ownership of your health. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What's it like when when Brandon Williams shows up? Like, did you have any, like, did he call you and be like, hey, how's Wisconsin? Or, or like, was there any communication for that? Or he just followed in your footsteps and Fletch's footsteps, like, I want to play at Wisconsin? And then when he shows up, like, how fun is that? But then the competition, like, what's that like? I mean, it's so much in that question, so... Uh, so it was him, Moss, and I think him and Moss came at the same time. And it was also, I think, uh, Lawrence Maroney had also came on a visit as well. I think it may have been the same time. And of course, Lawrence Maroney ended up going to Minnesota. Uh, but it wasn't even a conversation like, where are you going? It's like, we know you, we know you're coming, you're coming here. Um, same, same for Moss. We know you guys are coming up here. It's just a matter of getting you all up here and getting you into the system. And so I, if Brandon may have a completely different story, I never remember him talking about any other school. It was always Wisco in, in my mind for him. And then once he gets there, I mean, me and Brandon fought daily, I want to say, like daily, because he talks a lot. I mean, a lot. And he is a super competitor and he's a great athlete. And I just love shutting him up. I remember our last, my last practice, um, in Tampa, we're getting ready to play in a bowl game. Me and Brandon get into a fight. It's, it's like NFL coaches and scouts. Shaq, Shaq was there. He was the uh, the GM, I want to say, or player personnel guy for, for Jacksonville at the time. And he's talking to me. He's like, man, wouldn't you fighting one of your best friends? I was like, yep, that happens all the time. And it hurt my <laughs> knee fighting him because he just talks too much. But he made me better too, man. Like, I absolutely, absolutely love that guy and, and, and adore the way he plays with so much passion. You can't watch him just like when you watch Jamar, you can't watch Brandon not get excited. Um, he, he's, he is a baller for sure, who who could have played for a very long time. His little silly self got, got his focus off, but he was a very good player. Now, we, we all know that Brandon was a world-class trash talker. Were you, did you talk? Were you, were you a talker on the field at all? You know, um, it was more subtle than, than he would. It's more subtle. I, I wasn't, like, in the face. I like to – and it also depends on the receiver, too. It also depends on the receiver. If it's a guy I truly do, like, playing against Santonio Holmes, there's no talking going on because if you talk, the next play you're going to get beat in the post. So it's just like I'm just focused in. If it's uh, – Sam Rudy Poop from wherever who thinks he's great. I'm talking to him the whole game. We playing against Minnesota. I'm talking the whole game. I'm trying to jam you up, especially if you're a tall receiver. I'm trying to jam you up and I'm talking to you the whole game. But most of the time I kept it really even keel. I just remember I would go up. There were some guys like I was not allowed to to hit. Uh, not because of any real reason, but Sparky, you're one. 
Um, Jimmy Leonard was 100% do not touch him. <laughs> and even on inside, you're like, dude, this guy's in the C gap. Like, what do you want me to do? Just run. I would run right by him. But Sparky, I remember you, I would hit, I'd like, you know, just come kind of like give you like a little kiss and like hold your chest and you'd be mad that I'm holding your chest. And, um, <laughs> and, and you would always just be like, yo, Bernie, don't do that again. Or I'll cut your legs out next time. And I was like, man, this guy is great. Like, you wouldn't scream or do any of that stuff. Like, Brandon Williams would scream and be all over the place. You're like, yo, Murray, I'll cut your legs out next time. (laughs) I just just always thought that was so funny because I'm like, man, that is really what you should be doing. Right. Like, I'm a hundred yeah. pounds heavier than you. You should cut my legs out. And that's a hundred percent true. Uh, and, I, <laughs> and I remember like guys who didn't know how to practice and I mean, get, getting into it with some of the scout team guys, cause they didn't know how to practice. And it wasn't because uh, they were trying to be all Americans. They just didn't do what they were supposed to do. And so when somebody would do something that they thought that they were being great at, it would piss me off. You know, it would piss me off so bad. You run a terrible route and I can't cover it that would piss me off so bad. And then that would, that would lead me to like slamming them down every play. Or if Bernie comes out, he's like driving me down the field and I can't do anything about it. It's like, Hey, next time I'm just going to cut you. So I don't look back. (laughs) (laughs) There wasn't uh, what's good about, I I always knew that we had this like nice little love connection Mm because you would just do a shake and get around me, dude. You were too fast for me. I hated hitting corners. <laughs> I, I actually remember we, I think we played Temple uh, one year. Did we play Temple, Matt? I think we did. Yeah, you this did. This might be an 03, 04, 03. Uh, you guys played Temple. <laughs> in, I want to say, no, no, no. I think you, I'm pretty sure you played Temple in 04 in or 05. 05. It was 05. Maybe it might have been 05. So you'll love this, Mario. I ran out. Yeah, Corners, second game. Yeah, I, it was second game of. Oh, yeah, it was second game of oh okay. five. It was uh, too many hits to, for the fullback here. Yeah, second okay, game so, of oh five. Another one of those games where Brian Calhoun had like five touchdowns. Yeah, so I ran out. The next no number there. two. And the, yeah, the next number. I ran out um, to block the the corners are standing there, and I was like, I'm not. I'm not even going to try to blow them up. So I cut them. This dude gets up. His coach. We're on their sideline. The coach is like, "You're 45." You're a wimp. And then, you know, and the, the, the corner's like, dude, did you just cut me? And I was like, I, I might be back the next play, and I'm going to cut you again. You guys are too fast for me. And, and it was more colorful. You know, the coach was like MFing me, like, you know, what, what a pansy. But I was like, you know what? I don't really care. These guys, I know what Sparky could do out there. I'm, these guys are too fast for me. Oh, Sparky, I have one more good story about you. Mm-hmm. You saved my life. You don't even know it. We're running stadiums. It's I'm in the skill group, which is not fair. It was me and Greg Root are in the skill group. And we ran up first. This has got to be like the eighth one going up. up. And I'm like three or four steps up and I'm on hands and knees, like can hardly do it. And all of a sudden, dude, his beautiful, like jacked man runs up behind me, like kind of scoops my arm and gets me up like three stairs. And I touch the wall and I look back and I'm like, Oh man, Sparky! This is the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me in the world. <laughs> I swear, I was so happy. I was like, "I'm done. I can't go." I miss stadium stairs, man. I miss stadium stairs. Like that's oh, one of those man. things where it sucks in the moment, but then when you get done, it's like, "Man, I love you guys. We made it together." <laughs> and then we go do like these terrible seven oh sevens. Everybody's cramping up trying to catch the ball, but I, I, I miss I miss those times. Like people say. Do you miss playing football? I miss times like that where it's it's only you and the guys and you and you building this strong bond, this this strong connection that you couldn't have done it unless you all came together. Like you said, I came up and scooped you up. Like you can't you can't you can't recreate that in any other in any other arena. And that's the type of things I miss. I miss the locker room. I, I miss being with the guys. The actual the actual everyday grinding. You know, I, I can go without that. I just missed that connection with the guys. Like, that was awesome to me. The, the connection with the guys, the only way that made the grind, like, yep. acceptable. Tolerable. Yeah, to- <laughs> tolerable. Yeah, I mean, lifting all the time, going to class. Like, you were in class. You knew the guys you were in class with. So, like, you basically did everything with each other all, all day long until, 
like we were even doing um study table at seven to nine o'clock at night. Yep. I mean, and go hop on a scooters and go hop yeah. on a scooter and go home at nine o'clock and then just basically go to sleep and do it again. Yeah. That's what first semester was. Yep. Hop on our scooters. Do you, do you miss your scooter? I do miss my scooter, right? I do. Uh, it's funny because I went back to finish my degree. I want to say is in, excuse me, 2011, somewhere around there. And um, I got a scooter to get around. I have my car and my scooter. And I, you know, when we had a scooter, you parked it anywhere you want to. Anywhere. And so I parked it and I went to class. And I got like three tickets. I'm like, what in the world? How I get a ticket on my scooter where you have to park in the scooter spots and you have to get a park. Like, how did this happen? Where, where do we come? How do we get to the point where we have to get a place to park our scooters? Who gonna make money off of that? So yeah, that was funny. So I did when I went back to school. I did give me a nice scooter, man, and I, and I missed getting around on my scooter. You know, I almost died on it a couple of times. Oh, a couple. We didn't even wear helmets. Yeah, <laughs> that's I so stupid. One, I was in front of Red Gym one time. I actually almost killed a girl too. Um, but I was in front of Red Gym one time, and this guy was had a scooter that was way faster than mine, and he hit my handlebar. And my handlebars did like this, and I went over the top. And I did my hands like this to protect my head, and they slid out, and I, boom, I hit my head on the ground. And I had a concussion. I get to class, I'm just sitting there like this. I got blood coming down my face. They're like, oh, my gosh, you got to go. And I'm like, what? What's going on? <laughs> so, <laughs> so looking, back, looking back, I would have worn a helmet. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, a helmet, and if it rained or snowed or did anything else, I would have not. Yeah. Actually, I I probably would have, but you should not have. Yeah, I fell in front of an 18-wheeler before because it was snowing until to the point where I got to, like, push my bike out of the way and run out the way. (laughs) It's funny to laugh at now, but it's really not funny. Not at all. Not at all. So, sorry, I know we only have for, for a little bit more time, but, dude, walk us through, like, I remember Pro Day. Walk us through your experience after football, after Wisconsin ends, and then drafted in the third round. Like, what what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so definitely was uh, – like, if I had any advice to give the guys who are going through that process now, just enjoy it. You know, it's easy to get caught up in numbers and, you know, thinking about – all these steps down the road, where I'm going to go, go just enjoy the process. Cause um, it's, it goes by like that, you know, you know, you got, you got this limited time where it seems like everybody wants you and you're trying to figure out where am I going to go? Am I going to go? You know, it is, it's a very kind of stressful time. And so really just enjoy that process. Uh, for me going to the combine and, you know, you see all these guys who you hear, you've heard about for the past four years who've been all world and seeing them in action, like, OK, I see why you're all world. And you see some guys who are like, I'm better than this guy. Like what? Um, that was an awesome experience. Combine was a very, very awesome experience. I remember going in and seeing um, Roll. Uh, I think it's Antrell Roll. Antrell or Samari. Yeah, one of those guys. Yeah, it was Antrell. He came in on the day before we had the field day. He's like, hey. Good luck, y'all. Have a good one. And peaced out, didn't do a single drill, just said what's up to us and gets drafted like in top 10. I'm like, hey, that must be nice. <laughs> and so uh, for me, you know, I had no clue. I didn't have a bunch of interviews down there. I had like two interviews set up. And then you go to this like pool where you kind of like bounce around, which is where I actually met my eventual uh, position coach, which was Dave Campo. Um, so the draft day comes by and First round goes by. I know I was supposed to go somewhere between second and fourth. First round goes by. Of course, I, I didn't think it was anywhere possible. Second round, Pittsburgh rolls around and says, it's possible I could possibly go to Pittsburgh. They end up taking another corner. They, up, they, they may have taken two corners. But in my draft class, that I think it was like the record for the most amount of cornerbacks taken in the first day. And, and draft was, of course, set up different back then. It was one through three, four through seven. Uh, and so – when my when it came around to Jacksonville in the third round, um, I'm like, hey, this could be a possibility because that's why I, I said I spoke with at my last practice ever in, in Tampa Bay uh, for the bowl game. And I said, this could be a possibility. And I've always said when I was a kid, I wanted to play in Florida, always, because I would come down here and play at Nationals. I love the way these guys play football down here. And sure enough, I get a call from, uh, from Coach Del Rio and from Shaq 
for my position coach that like, uh, we're getting ready to take you with our next pick. Just wait, wait, wait. All right, you're a Jaguar. And I see it pop, pop up on the board. I'm like, wow. And then there comes that old crap moment. Like, oh, I really have to go play now. And so I remember showing up in that locker room and it was like, wow, I'm here. And guys like, who brought that little brother in here, man? Come get this little kid out of here. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just going through that process and, you know, having an opportunity to play and, uh, expectations of third round pick um, and coming in and seeing guys you've seen play, you know, for years and just amazing athletes being right next to Fred Taylor and uh, seeing Jimmy Smoove. And it was just an amazing, amazing experience that I would never um, want to have taken away. Of course, it was just a, a great experience for me in the NFL. Um, strictly a business, of course, and a business that outgrew me. I had a lot of injuries um, that end up tearing my ACL, tearing my pec, and uh, breaking another couple of bones, but still wouldn't take it back for that. Had an opportunity to play against some extremely uh, great players as well. Um, but love, love the experience, love my time in the NFL. Uh, a lot of people like to say, oh, I'll retire from football. That unless you're a Tom Brady, um, you don't retire from football. Most of the time, football retires you. And it's just one of those things where once it's over, it's over. So, Speaking of the combine, you uh, you were the longest broad jump of the combine. Yeah. I think you could be able to boast that. And actually, I landed my second one. I landed at about 12-2. And a little bit of wind blew, and I fell backward, put my hand back. And then the next one is when I went, I think, 11-6. 12-2 would be the, w- would be the longest, well, second longest in combine history. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, you tested uh, incredibly well at the combine. What do you think? Um, you know, I mean, obviously you're, you're a naturally, you know, fast, phenomenal athlete, but I mean, you had a top 10 40 time you had, I think like the third highest vertical at that combine third or fourth, you had obviously the longest broad jump, your, your, your shuttle drill was in the top 10, your three cone drill was, was pretty good too. So like, what do you think, what prepared you to test so well at the combine and what advice would you give guys? I mean, you already told them to, you know, just enjoy every minute of it, but what, what advice would you give to guys, you know, especially from Wisconsin? You know, there are a lot of D-backs from Wisconsin right now who are who are prepping for the combine. J.D., I don't even know if he's around. I don't know if he's retired, but J.D. was awesome, uh, super intense. Uh, but had, he, he had some really great little key points, fundamentals that I just followed. You know, um, I think when I came in, I may have been like a four, high four or five guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe even four six, and I left four two eight. Every year I, I shaved off, you know, a good amount of time, and then my vertical just went insane. Just from the, the explosion drills he would do, we do box drills, and he was very technical, very very technical. And, and you could do something good, he'd be like, okay, good, but there's better, you know. And so just really, he, he really helped us to to hone in on the little portions of each drill, and hone in on our craft, and, and be great at what you great at what you can do and so jd I, I i really can attribute a lot of that success straight to him yeah i mean 43 inch vertical man ain't nothing like it <laughs> and I, I miss those days like even when i look down i stand on the field and i look out uh to what you know even 11 feet is or how many yards they could be i'm like that is impossible for me right now jump <laughs> <laughs> down it's like seven four <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what was crazy though was that right behind you the broad jump was jonathan welch he had a huge one that year yeah 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 he he was just a good athlete too big long strong guy he he was a great athlete. we had a lot of great athletes though yeah j-dub was my locker locker partner right next to me i absolutely because he didn't really talk a lot of smack but he would do he would talk like you under his breath and I sat there and just listened to that kid every day. Like I absolutely loved J-Dub, but yeah, he had long arms. Like he was a freak. He was all muscle. And he was light too. He's day too. I still talk to him. Very He's a good, good dude. Yeah. yeah. Which was Sparky. Before we get out of here, I definitely want to hear more. Like who are the guys you played against in the league that were just like outstanding? Uh, somebody just asked me this, this question the other day, you know, it is, it's, it's two guys that really stood out in my brain and really two stories. Um, so I played against Anquan Bolden and that was, 
that was by far the hardest person I ever had to cover um, in a slot. Every single play he came off and he headbutted me, whether it was a route, whether it was a blocking play, whether it was offsides, it didn't matter. And so by the end of the game, I'm just like over. He's the only person I felt physically defeated after I played against him. He came on, bam, every play. And so by the end of it, I'm just like, oh, please just stop. And he had a solid game again. I mean, I mean, of course, I was I was dazed the whole the whole game. So he was probably the hardest guy in a one on one. And then I when I, I remember playing against uh, Steve Smith, and I caught him, you know, a little bit early in his career. He may have had an injury, but he only had one catch for I want to say like four yards against me. Uh, we had a guy get hurt, and he's like, Scott, you got to lock up with Steve for the rest of the game. Cool, let's do it. I was excited for the opportunity. And I remember I, I had a very good play against him and he came back and I was talking stuff for some stupid reason. I guess I was feeling myself. He's like, who are you? <laughs> Nobody knows your name. I'm like, you're right. But I just want to play. He's one of those body types like Lee that you were mentioning, right? He's one of those guys that's a little shorter, a little thicker, really fast in and out of his breaks. Like, that's exactly right. Exactly right. So I had to have to really bring my A game, and uh, I just happened to uh, just happened to be the right day against him. He was a little bit hurt. Quarterback was a little bit off, and I just happened to feel great that day. All right. So I usually get guys out of here with a couple rapid fire questions. You already mentioned uh, toughest receiver guard Anquan. What about in college? Who was the toughest guy for you to guard? Oh shoot. Um, we're gonna go with. Uh, well, I mean, does it count when I say Charles Rogers? Yeah, that count? yeah, absolutely. Really, that counts. I really guard him. He just kind of ran past me. Him and Lee Evans, of course. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, who is the big biggest physical freak you either played with or against? Like a guy either like in the you know who just like in the gym or even on the field, just like this dude is a freaking Adonis. Oh, that's uh, Greg Jones. Greg Jones. Like when he walks into the room, I said, "Man, does your wife ever get used to you walking into the room? Because he just walks in, just like glistening." I'm like, goodness, how are you built like that? <laughs> so yeah, Greg Jones for sure. Uh Brandon Williams accepted. Who is the best trash talker that you know? I would go with I would go with I would stay with B Will. B Will and uh, also um I mean Jamar, of course. Those okay. two. Yeah. I, I I love it. Um what is your pregame ritual? What are you doing on game day to get yourself mentally and physically ready? Yeah, so first things first is it's gonna be some vomit involved. I threw a private for every single game that I played. You and Bill every, Russell. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm giving it up every game. Um and from there it literally, you know, especially towards the end of my career, it takes me probably two hours to get warmed up. Um I gotta be on the field, which is why I knew my last game I was I was like this is my last game. I'm I'm not gonna be able to play anymore because we had a we had a two hour delay and they were gonna go directly into the game. And at that point in my career, I was like it's over because I'm not going to be able to cover anybody. So I got to have a long time to really warm that body, the body up. And so uh, me and Rasheem Mathis, who is, who is my, my, probably one of my best friends in the world, me and him would go out, throw the ball together, go through every single break, every single route together. And then from there, it's putting on the pass and get ready to rumble. All right. All right. And what's the hardest hit you ever took? Oh, shoot. Um, I mean, it goes up to back to when I was nine years old. Like, <laughs> I can still remember this one. Uh, we did a fake punt. I was playing as a team in Georgia, and uh, I ran out to the left, and God put his helmet right in my chest. And my feet went above my head, and the first thing to hit was the back of my head. Ooh. And uh, I landed right between my brother and my dad, and they just kind of just split apart and just looked at me fall. And I was laid down for a second. I looked up and that was probably the only time I ever cried on the field, but that was by far the hardest I've ever been hit in my life. And I've gotten some pretty nasty concussions, but that was a hard one right there. Nine years old, wherever that kid is now, I hope he's doing all right. Cause I'm, I'm still recovering. <laughs> so I'm still thinking about it right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, Sparky, dude, this is a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I talked to J.O. and he was telling me about it. He said, man, you got to check this out. And I went through it. I watched a few. I was like, oh, I got I to gotta shoot them a message. Tell them I want to get on there. So thank you for responding so quickly. And you, and you all let me on as well. No, dude, you're, this is a very big, big 
for us. We just love hearing how cool these stories are. Dude, how many people know that you got your number and you said you wanted to come here from sitting in a meeting room with Fletch just watching film? Like, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's so cool to me. Yeah, but I, I truly do. I love what you all are doing because I'm a, I'm a badger uh, through and through. You know, I go around and I say, hey, or, do you bleed red? And they say, yeah, I said, well, you can be a badger, too. <laughs> I, I, I still I'm still a huge Badger fan and, and uh, I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of the Badger family as well I love it I love it you're my you're my college roommate and one of my best friends in the world you're you are his favorite player of all time the only jersey he ever bought was your number two jersey so like <laughs> this is uh this is a pleasure this is a pleasure for all of us yep definitely was a pleasure for me so I greatly appreciate it fellas for sure Thanks, for Mikey. sure and uh until next time on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Yes, sir. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Badger Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Badgers. That's B-L-E-A-V in Badgers. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page for full videos of our podcasts. The show is produced by Matt Perkins and Matt Bernstein with audio editing and mixing by Matt Perkins. Our theme music is by Matt Blaustein. Thanks again for listening and on Wisconsin. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.